Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look. Wrestling 101, class is in session Pay attention to the teachings, that's from Andrew and Derek I mean these guys making the killer with no competition Dynamic duo better than the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys Everybody make some noise, mess with them, you get destroyed They cannot be beat, take a seat, watch them do their thing on the MIC Face defeat, they cannot be seen like JC Oh my goodness, it's in killing spree, yeah? What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling IQ 101. You guys know me. My name is Derek. You can follow Wrestling IQ 101 on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Wrestling IQ 101. Also, make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get all your streaming needs. Today, very special day. Got a very special guest with me all the way from Florida. My man, Ricky Martinez. You may know him as Max Stardom, the Pitbull Sicario. What's good with you, bro? How you doing today, man? Oh, man, I'm good, man. It's finally, it feels good to be on the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, what's meant to be will happen always. So uh, I always believe in that. But, um, you know, definitely uh, glad to have you here, especially on a day that's a big day for you. Uh, you know, you got the grudge going on. You got a match with uh, the one and only low key. Um so big. I really appreciate you taking time out on the day, just getting ready for that. Um, what can the fans expect from this match? Uh, well, it's, it, it's been, it's, it's a really big match for me because me and Loki go way back to um, a funny story and a little background on it. Um, when MOW called me for a trial, they put me against Loki. So Loki was my, you know, my initiation. He, we hadn't met. We've only known each other through my sister, which is Diamante from AEW. So we had a little connections here and there, but uh, my crowd matched up with him. And as soon as he got to the locker room, he pointed at me and he told Kurt Bauer, he said, man, hire him. He, be he belongs here. So ever since then, he took me under his wing and he started coaching me. We got rid of the max stardom and he told me, hey, listen, man, you're a Pitbull Sicario. Now you're with me. So, um, you know, I, I backstabbed him in MLW with Selena. And, uh, and so we have a little grudge going on and he's been mentoring me and, and uh, teaching me. So tonight's a big deal because... Uh, you get to see, uh, I wasn't able to have a last match before the pandemic, you yeah. know, um, and, uh, and I've always, I told everybody I wanted one more match, one more match. And then uh, he got me to come back and I don't, I don't think I'm leaving again, man. That's how good of an energy, you know, Loki gives you. So tonight's a big night for me, man. We're, we're looking forward to it. Definitely. Definitely. We'll definitely wish you the best, man. Um, Loki, definitely one of the greats, one of my favorites throughout, uh, you know, all his history and all the great things he did with Impact moving on to MLW and the things he's going to continue to do. Um, you kind of talked about your relationship a little bit. Um, I just want to ask you, like, with low-key, like, what um, would you say is, like, the, the best piece of advice you've gotten from him or uh, just, you know, things you picked up and learned while being around him? thing about Loki is he, he he's he's a walking book of knowledge. Everything that he, he, he talks about, he takes his time to break it into details. Uh, Loki was probably the first one to really teach me the aspects of TV and production, how, how, what to look for the cameras, how, um, when you're on TV, how to tell a story more than just having an indie match. A lot of these guys that come into wrestling now, yeah, it's all about the moves and it's, it's all about stealing the show and that, and that's okay. But once they go to TV, they don't have that TV experience, you know, and he, he always taught me be, be bigger than life. Once you tell a story, once you know how to be in camera, 
you were more valuable than a 450, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and uh, if, if you ever get to talk to Loki, every say he uses very big words. He's very knowledgeable. He's very yeah. interested. And then that's what makes him even more special. Is he'll kick your ass, but his brain is so valuable. It's crazy. Definitely, definitely. I could definitely see that. Um, you know, it seems like uh, with the things you've learned, they paid off for you. Um, you know, you, you've been around, you've been in uh, WWE, um, NXT, uh, MLW, AEW. I just want to kind of like go through those. Um, you know, everybody talks about WWE as the, the big leagues that everybody wants to get to. I feel like everybody that's into wrestling has some type of fantasy one day of being in the WWE you actually accomplished that and, you know, you got to uh, make some appearances with NXT, uh, 205 Live. Um, just how did that come about? And um, overall, how was that experience for you? Uh, well, true story, if I go back to the way I'm connected to WWE, I used to work for Alpha the Wild Samoan back at WXW and mm -hmm. we had a fallout. And in Florida, a lot of the guys who work for Alpha and work for WXW because that's their easy way in. That's yeah. why I call it because Offer is connected. So anytime Offer wants to get some of his students on the show, whatever, he'll have them as extras. Um, I was told, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name, but I was told when we had a fallout, I was told by one of his guys that, oh, now good luck on getting a WWE trap. Okay, so I got to work on my own. Uh, I made the right connections. I worked all over the state, sometimes even paying my own flight because that's the way it is. You know what I mean? To start off, you, 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 when you expect money out of the business, you, you, you're in the wrong business. You got to start off by paying your own dues and getting out there and then money will come. So I started my uh, paying my way back and I started help. Uh, I started working my ass off and then I got that call. My first call was in 2010. Um, I used to be in a tactic called the network. It was me and Michael Maddox, which he's now retired, but he's a good friend of mine. So I got a, that was my first call when it was John Lyronitis who reached out to the uh, to Alpha and said, "Hey, listen, you got this guy that works for you, and him and his tag team uh, called the the network. We want to talk to him." So I got on the phone with Lyronitis, and Lyronitis said, "Hey, listen, we just want to buy out the in the network." Obviously, after it became WWE, the network. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. So crazy. They, they offered me a certain amount of money for the for the for the name, and I said, "Man, take it, take it. I don't care about the name, but listen, what can I do for a trial?" And uh, he said, "Well, kid, you know how you know how hard it is to make it in the WWE." And I said, "Yeah, but it's harder if I don't get a look. It starts with a look." So he goes, "I appreciate that. You know what? We're gonna be in Miami this day. We're gonna be in Tampa this day." Uh, come out those two nights. We'll give you a tryout Monday and Tuesday, and we'll pay you for the name. So let's just say I got a pretty penny out of everything. That was my first experience. Uh, it wasn't anything on camera, but I got to be looked at. Uh, then years later, when NFC started, um, you know, they, they gave me a call. I got a call through John Cohn and, uh, and, and Ryan, and I came in. Uh, my first uh, time when I did NFC was a dark match. Um, it wasn't on camera. But it was, it was quick. Then they liked me so much with my look and the way I, you know, the way the way I was raised, you know. They called me again back, and that's uh, I believe uh, my first appearance back was with um, Lars Sullivan. Yeah. It was a it was me and two other guys versus Lars Sullivan. So it was a quick and easy appearance, and I got the job done. And um, the last one that I did, um, it was funny because it was for a SmackDown taping. It was Raw and SmackDown. Raw, you really don't really get to do much, you know, because they don't really have a trial. But for SmackDown, they tell you to get to the building at 2 o'clock. They tell you to dress out. And they tell you to go over a match with someone. 
uh, to pick somebody. So I picked one of the guys. Uh, all the guys that were extra besides me were all alpha students. Yeah. I was the only one that did it on my own. So I looked at them and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go out there and do my best today because I gotta prove a point. Um, and that night, uh, I they all had matches and I was actually the last match in front of AJ Styles, John Cena, Randy Orton at two o'clock. And um, I got the spot. I, I never forget. I looked at the office students and I said, "Listen, man, no, no point intended. I know you're here. You work hard too, but uh, I, I did this to prove a point that I didn't need anyone to get a tryout." And I got the spot, and that's when I got my two hundred five shot with a real rush. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, that's that, that's dope, man. That's that's one of the most memorable things I definitely remember. Um, you know, also that's the that's a crazy story with the network, though. Like, I nobody would even know that. That's so that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we so we actually sold the network name for five thousand dollars. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Five thousand dollars, Nuts, nuts. I was um, actually able to buy my first car with that money because that was in 2010. I'm 32. So that was my first car. I bought a Mustang with that money. You never forget. <laughs> nice. See? Nice. I, I could I can I can see that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, you know, somewhere else you also worked at one of my favorite promotions, uh MLW. Um, I love watching MLW. I think uh, you know, pound for pound measured up against any company. MLW has the best talent all across the board compared to anyone. Um, you know, working with working with MLW, uh, how was those experiences there? And uh, is the environment as good and creative as it looks to us fans on the outside? So it's good that you bring it up because that's actually uh, something I've been holding back on speaking for a while because I didn't want to just go on Facebook and put a post or talk on my own. So a good interview is good. It's a good way to you know speak out. So this is great. Mm -hmm. MLW was where my career took off. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I had that trial with Loki. As Loki said, I want him in. I'm going to take him in my wing. So he did. And then Selena de la Renta is actually my best friend. She's like a sister to me. So we created Promociones Dorado. It mm -hmm. was me, Loki, her, LA Park, and Hijo de LA Park. Mm -hmm. And we created this mafia type deal. The thing was that be, be, be behind the scenes, we were all really good friends. We were hanging out anywhere we went, and we became we became a, a true family. Um, we took off with Promociones Dorado. The, the locker room is probably the best locker room I've ever met. We were with Conan. We were with uh, with uh, the Lucha Brothers. Uh, we were with Teddy Hart. We were with um, with uh, guys like um, who else was there, man? In my good times, man. Um, uh oh my god what's this guy's name um oh um brian pillman brian, brian pillman yeah oh my god i love that kid he's amazing you know it was it was the best locker room i've ever been in we all were friends we all looked up for our monthly tapings just to spend time with each other where me and mlw fell off obviously selena just fell off too um court bauer is an amazing guy court bauer is a guy that either creates names or use his names to make it even better. Court Bauer created the Pitbull Sicario. I give him that. I give him props. He, he looked at me, he believed in my, in my look. He said, let's let go of Max Stardom. You're Ricky Martinez, it's your real name, use it. But you look like a Sicario, you look like a Pitbull, use it, be you. And boom, I used it and my career went up. 
He, um, when me and Kor Bauer fell off, I never had a situation with Kor Bauer, but I did have a situation with a guy named MSO. Mm-hmm. He is Kor Bauer's right hand guy. Now, I don't, I don't mean to like shit on him or anything like that because he also helped me out as much as he could. But Pitbull Sicario got this push. It kept going up, it kept going up, it kept going up. Then they had me turn my back on Loki. And I did it, but then it was just literally turn my back on Loki for nothing. It just went turning back on Loki, and then it was just used to Loki. There was no buildup. And I hate that because why do something that's magical, something that means something? Because the moment I turned my back on Loki, I don't know if you watched it, but it was me and Loki just, just ended up beating the, the, the crap out of these two guys in two minutes. Then uh, the Contra unit comes out. We both have our, our backs there. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight with Loki. I got his back. He got mine. Selena's feuding with Loki. We're having this little bitter. Selena tells me, Ricky, get out of the ring. Ricky, get out of the ring. So I just slide out of the ring, leave Loki alone. I didn't mean to turn my back on Loki, but Selena's my best friend, but Selena's also my boss. So I leave the ring. I leave Loki by himself, and Contra Unit takes over Loki, which is a big deal because we're talking about Loki. Next month, I face Loki, and he beats me. What does it matter anymore? You know what I mean? It, it didn't matter. Even Loki was like, it doesn't matter anymore. It all went to shit, everything we worked for. Um, little by little, the Pitbulls of Cards just kept going down, kept going down. And then all of a sudden, they call me for Orlando, and MSL tells me, hey, listen, uh, I see that at the same night that you're working with MLW, there's a show that you're working in Orlando for this guy called Frank Goodman. He runs won, he won USA Pro. And I said, yeah, no problem. I'm under contract with MLW. I don't have a problem canceling the other show because it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I canceled the other show that about two days before I do the MLW show, I find out that called, uh, the, the show for MLW is actually at 3 o'clock, not at 8 o'clock. So I'm like, wait, hold on a second. If I'm working for MLW during the day, I can still do the other show. Yeah. It's, it's 15 minutes apart. And I'm working Scott Steiner. Why would I? Why would I say no to working with Scott Steiner? Plus, yeah, I'm, getting paid, I'm getting paid a good penny. But at that moment, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm working Scott Steiner. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But, so I call Frank Goodman. I'm like, hey, listen, man, I'll do the show because I'm gonna go over there. He's like, all right, no problem. Bring Fatu and bring Teddy Hart because they're booked in the same show. I'm like, you got it, man. So I figured out, damn, MLW champion is working the the, the Frank Goodman show, and so is Teddy Hart. I'm okay too. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not on my own. So I do the show. When I get to the show, they tell me that I'm working uh, King Mo. Now, I became friends with King Mo from this then, but King Mo's making his debut against uh, uh, a triple Sakara who's already named, and King Mo beats me in less than five minutes. Yeah. So I'm already like, you know what I mean? It's okay. I do my job. I, I do what's told of me. I, you know what I'm saying? And I put over Kim Mo, Kim Mo appreciated me. Kim Mo became good friends because of that. I get, I get Fatu, I get Teddy Hart, and we drive over to USA Pro. I go two, 20 to 25 minutes with Scott Steiner. It was amazing. I get a text at the end of the night. Hey man, I thought I had told you to cancel uh, uh, USA Pro. I'm like, I did, but I didn't know that the um, MLW show was at three o'clock. I was able to do it. It weren't coinciding. I thought that was the problem. He's like, no. You, uh, it was in the, uh, the same show in the same city. I didn't want you to do it. I'm like, I don't understand why I didn't promote the, the USA Pro show. I didn't put anything. All I did was promote MLW and I just went over there and made a good penny. He's like, well, you lied to me. This is MSL. You lied to me, therefore I got to suspend you. 
Wow. And I'm like, wow, okay. Then I find out he suspended me and Teddy Hart, but he didn't suspend Fatu, which is okay because Fatu's my boy, but why doesn't he get suspended? Because he's MLW champion? Politics. Yeah. Um, so a week passes by. Uh, I don't hear nothing from now. And then I get a call, a call from Salina, my manager, my my partner, then tells me, hey, uh, it's okay if you want to ask for your release because they're not going to really use you anymore. And I said, okay, cool. I'm done. I'll ask for my release. I ask for my release. Then they want to go ahead and put on the internet that I got that I got let go. Um, if I got let go, I didn't receive no call from Court Bauer. I didn't receive no court, oh no call from MSL. I literally got a text from my partner, my best friend. Hey, if you want your release, and I got the text. If you want your release, you can ask for your release. And I did. Um, then I found out that the reason why I really got suspended wasn't because I was working in the same city in the same whatever. It was because MSL has personal heat from this past with Frank Goodman. Now, these oh, are the things about wrestling that goes on my nerves. You know what I mean? Because you you want to make it personal and not send your boys over there to make money, but you want to hold me back. Man, listen, you, you know, you got personal issues with people. That's your personal issue. But I'm not going to stop my career from making a good penny to work Scott Steiner, which is a legend, which is also not only good for my career, but it's a privilege to step in the ring with that guy. And that guy gave me 20 minutes and he looked at me in the eye and said, man, you're good, kid. Let's go 20 to 25 minutes. And man, he man, for Scott Steiner to go 25 minutes is a privilege, man. So yeah. I don't regret it. That's the reason why I stepped out of MLW. Selena was probably the best thing MLW had. Yeah. And she stepped away for a reason. So that tells you a lot, you know? Um, I don't have, like I said, I think MOW is one of the best companies out there. I think Court Bauer has a great brain for the for the for the business. I just think he picks the wrong partners. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, no, makes sense, makes sense. Um, you know, also as well, you know, you've had opportunities with one of the newer companies that's out there, but one of uh, probably it, they they emerged as one of the biggest companies now with their deal with TNT and TBS and all that. Uh, all Elite Wrestling, AEW. Um, how is it being a part of uh, a new product and, you know, something that's kind of supposed to be uh, a breath of fresh air to the business of wrestling? AEW is probably the greatest experience I've ever experienced. WWE, obviously, like, you can't compare, you know? It's everybody's childhood dream. WWE is what started all their dreams. Mm -hmm. But uh, Cody Rhodes and the boys have started something that's magical. The moment you step into the locker room, you can tell there's no politics. You can tell everybody's a friend. Everybody gets along. Um, the way I got my shot is I've always been good friends with QT Marshall. And QT Marshall is, is part of the office. So um, I reached out during the pandemic. Right before the pandemic, I had announced that I was having a baby boy. So I stepped away from wrestling and I called it a break. But then the pandemic, excuse me, then the pandemic hit. So it was a nationwide break. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't really exactly. count for me to get a break. You know what I mean? But I, when I wanted to step away from wrestling to be with my kid, I wanted one more match and I never got it because of the pandemic. So QD Marshall reached out to me, goes, hey man, you know, we're, we're doing tapings in Jacksonville. You want to be participate? I looked in the mirror a couple of times and I was like, damn, you know, I got the dad bod going on. Uh, I was out of shape. I got the dad bod and I got the COVID bod going on. There was no gyms and all I was doing was eating. So I got literally in the worst shape I have ever been. 
But I couldn't let this opportunity get away. You know, I was like, you know what? Suck it up and just go do it. So if you watch any of my AEW matches, I was fat. I was out of shape and uh, uh, I wasn't ready. But I mean, ring rust never, you know, you, you never lose it. I just wasn't in the physical shape I wanted to look at. But I had good matches. Um, I, I got I got to work the Lucha Brothers at one shot. And then uh, it, it, it was, oh my God, if I tell you that that's the best locker room you can ever have. For me to say, hey, I went to Gorilla and I had a full-blown conversation with Cody Rhodes about him being Cuban, which I had no idea that he was Cuban. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, his mom is Cuban. Full-blown, awesome conversation in Gorilla. He welcomed me with open arms. He was like, how's Miami? I used to live in Miami. Man, Christopher Daniels came up to me. He was like, man, you're good, man. Just tweak this, tweak that. Everybody was involved. Everyone cares about everyone. It's family, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's a family aspect. Um, I got to meet Tony Khan. You know, yeah. I got to meet Vince McMahon briefly, which I can tell you that story in a bit. But um, to be, Tony Khan, uh, I was there for the taping where uh, after, the, um, after we did Dark, and we go sit and we go watch AEW on TNT because we were the, you know, we were the crowd at that time. Oh my God, even being a fan at ringside was amazing, you know? Yeah. And then right after, Tony Khan is like, hey man, whoever wants to be a part of the of the street fight between LAX and the, and um and these guys, the, the, the big the big street fight that they had, come to the parking lot, we're gonna record it. I said, hell yeah. You know, and I'm good friends with LAX. So we went over there. And uh, oh my God, what a match. And then Tony Khan, as soon as they finished recording it, you can see how much Tony Khan loves pro wrestling, where he literally came in the middle of the parking lot, started crying and gave LAX and all these guys a hug, gave all the production crew a hug. He goes, we just made magic. This was amazing. Fuck yeah. This is why I love this. This is what I do. I still get goosebumps because when a boss is proud of his boys, when his boss is proud of his product, it literally poured out of him. And that's when I said, this guy is going to do amazing things for the business. Yeah. And I felt it right in there. And I walked up to Tony Khan and I said, listen, man, I'm not trying to kiss your ass. I'm not trying to do it. I just want to thank you for bringing more magic into pro wrestling. We needed guys like you to do this. He stopped for me dead track and said, I appreciate that. Thank you for seeing the hard work that I do. I appreciate you. Thank you. I hope to see you again. And that meant a lot because he didn't just walk by you and ignore you or not see you as another human being. He saw me as a worker and as a wrestler. And that went a long way. And that's why Tony Khan is so successful at what he does, man. AEW is going to be here for a long time. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely believe that as well. Um, That's an amazing story. That's a great story. Um, You know, you yourself in the ring, you know, you fought a list of who's who's there. You know, we just talked about Scott Steiner and how he gave you 20 minutes in the ring. Um, do you ever look back and is there like a favorite match of yours? Or if somebody said, hey, I want to see the best Ricky Martinez match, show it to me. Like, what would that match be for you? Oh, man, I've had so many great matches. I've wrestled Leo Rush, Brian Cage. Uh Wow. But there's actually, there is one match that I could think of. And the reason why I can think of it is because it was really early in my career. And a lot of people still didn't believe in me. I was still working on the max stardom. I had a huge Mohawk. I was probably 19, 20 years old at the time. Uh, 
I never forget, man. It was back in ICW, maybe maybe 2008. No, not maybe that early, but um, two, I was probably 21. I went 20 to 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a former Ring of Honor champion. Uh, I wrestled him when I was 21. It was my first big match of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an ICW show, and this when he was running a school in Tampa, so he happened to be in town, and uh, my partner, uh, Michael Maddox, which was where we were the network, he was we were running this co company called Uno Pro in Miami, and it was pretty big in Miami. It was actually pretty, pretty big, and he goes, man, you think Jay Lito will do it? And I'm like, man, I don't know him like that, but I'll ask. So I actually reached out to him. I'm like, hey, man, I know we've met here and there. Uh, would you would you want to work a show? He's like, where am I working? I'm like, me? He's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it for this amount. I'm down. I'm going to be in Miami. Take me out. Yeah. And I didn't expect him to be so open-minded to doing things. Yeah. He said, what are you good at? He said, this isn't that. And he took whatever I was good at and he transformed it into a thousand other good things. And I was like, this is how they work in Ring of Honor. Because I, I was a big fan back then. I had just started my career. And he pushed me to the limit. And he said, man, kid, we're going 20 to 25. You ready? I'm like, I've never done this before. But let's do it. And it was just magic. It was magic how, how he pushed me to go 20 to 25 minutes. And then that's how, that's when my career broke down because everything after that was like, I've done that before. I got it. Okay, I get it. I've, now, now I know what's up. So I was able to do it. But I owe a lot to Jerita. Jerita was my biggest match. You could actually watch that match on YouTube. It would be Max Stardom versus Jerita. Nice. Nice. Definitely, definitely got to check that out for sure. Uh, Two greats in the ring. I'm pretty sure it's a classic for sure. Um, you know, at the at the start of your career, before you even decided to to get into wrestling, um, kind of what was it that attracted you to wrestling and kind of it made you want to make a career out of it? Oh, another funny story. Uh, I used to get in trouble in middle in elementary and middle school because I had to wear a uniform uh -huh. uh, for, for school. We used to wear polos, and um, so. I used to always wear wrestling shirts in my polos. If it was either Goldberg or The Rock, but I would always wear it and I would always get in trouble because at lunchtime I would take it off to show off my wrestling shirts. I was that big, big of a fan. Um, <laughs> the way it works was uh, I, I would, before my grandfather passed away, rest in peace, he was a huge boxing fan. And I used to watch either boxing or I used to watch the Miami Heat on TV. Those were his two favorite things. But when those things weren't on TV, there was nothing else left but pro wrestling. Now, my grandfather hated pro wrestling. He was oh, like, man, man, why do you watch this shit, man? You know, you watch boxing. And he was, but I would be like, just, just watch it with me. And he would just watch it with me because I was his grand. And he would just watch it with me. And he would start laughing and laughing. And then he would, and then little by little, he's like, hey, it's Monday. And he would yeah. put it. You know, and it became a bonding thing. Um, and then I started watching it over and over again. And it was, and then I, I just, what attracted me to pro wrestling was the fact of how one or two people in one ring can create so many emotions for all the fans that were watching. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what people don't get is it, it, it's a no, it's not only a novella for guys, but you become a part of it. This whole pandemic when the, when the crowd wasn't available, it wasn't the same. People don't see how important it is. The fans are a part of the show. If the fans don't cheer and they don't react, we don't feed off that energy. We need them just as bad as they need us. 
you know? So I didn't know indie wrestling existed. I had no idea what indie wrestling was until uh, I met one of my uncle's friends. His name is Hector. And he was a big Ring of Honor fan. And he introduced me to indie wrestling. Hmm. And he started bringing me uh, wrestling tapes to the house that included Austin Aries, Alex Shelley, all these old school Ring of Honor fans. And I'm like, man, what the hell is this cool shit? You know, I started watching that. I started studying it. And then I'm like, man, I want to give pro wrestling a shot. Like, I want to do this. But I didn't know. I didn't know anything. So <laughs> Hector at that time was messing around in his backyard and doing funny little wrestling tapings with him and his friends who became my friends after. And I told him, I'm like, hey, man, I want to do it. I want to do it, man. So we would record little YouTube little TV shows in a boxing ring, dude. That was a oh my god, my back is still hurting from that. But we used to record little little matches here and there or whatever, and that's how I got into the wrestling business. Because then they met with an actual indie company called East, uh, ICW Independent Championship Wrestling, and then we started invading them and we started doing little little shows. And then one day. Um, I actually went to a, a show for Coastal Championship Wrestling. Uh, uh, Rusty Brooks was there, Soulman, MVP. Uh, these guys were working for CCW at the time. I went to their show and I was like, man, I don't want to just watch the show. I want to help out. So they were like, hey, man, you know, we need a DJ. We need a guy to pre play the music. And I'm like, I got it. I'll do it. You know? So I did it. It was so much fun just to play the music because I think entrances are a big part of wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I went up to Soul Man at the time and I'm like, hey, listen, what can I do to be a pro wrestler? He's like, hmm, listen, we, we run on Sundays. We have pro wrestling school on Sundays at nine in the morning. Just show up. Let me see what you got. So I showed up. I got in the ring and he liked what he saw. And he told me, he pulled me aside. and He's like, listen, kid, I see something in you. If you come every Sunday at nine in the morning, you are part of the class, but you don't hold me back. Meaning I don't need to waste time on you. You, you never owe me a dime. Just come and work out. Yeah. Every Sunday, I would tell my mom I had to go studying and I would steal her car and drive about an hour to school just to be at, this, at the school. I, I work with Jimmy Snuka. And little by little, I started, I started being a part of wrestling. He never, to this day, never charged me a dime. I would load up the ring. I will set it up, break it down. I would do whatever I can to be a part of the show, and I did it. And then the first guy to ever book me in an indie show uh, was Frank. Fabulous Frank. It was called D Division One Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. I got my first match there. Um, it was a three-on-three. -three, never forget. And uh, I won. It was my big win. And uh, he was the first guy to believe in me. And then from then on, I started meeting local indie guys that just – said, hey, man, he's good. Book him here. Book him there. And I would drive three, four hours for 20 bucks, for 10 bucks. But, hey, it didn't matter, you know. Florida is a big state. So just to travel anywhere out of Miami is more than three hours. But I made the trips. I, I paid my dues. And that's how I came up in the wrestling business. Damn, man. That's a great story. I, see, you got a great story for every question, man. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. Um, you know, outside of the ring, I know you also, you're, you, you know, you're into things and you, you do things outside of the ring as well. Um, you're an actor, you're Arthur. Um, what kind of got you into that writing and, you know, doing the acting and, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you, uh, worked on? Right now, currently I'm writing a book. It's 
it's more of my life and the experience that I've gone through because I think that I've gone through experiences. Not that a lot of people have, because everybody has their story. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of people don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. I've had experiences in my life where I'm like, I can't believe that happened to me. If I don't write it in a book, nobody's going to read it. So I'm currently writing a book that should be, I'm going to try to publish it either next year or the year after that. What got me into writing is everything I was a kid, I always wrote poems. I always, I always was an inspirational speaker. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people are just scared to speak out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people need to be spoken to. And every time I spoke to somebody, they're like, man, you know what, man, you, you helped me, you motivated me, you helped me. And I remember all those times that other people motivated me. So I was like, okay, give it a shot. So I started writing. Um, so writing to me is something that gets my mind off and it's something that I know I could, I could help a lot of people with. So that inspired me to do that. I'm also a drummer. I've been drumming since I was five years old. Uh, my dad, rest in peace, he died last year. He was a famous sound engineer. He would uh, produce uh, music to, for Bob Marley and everything. You know, he actually, he actually wrote Buffalo Soldier, which is a good little... Uh, uh, wow. But uh, he was a musician. My mom was a singer. Uh, my grandfather loved music. So I've, I have music in my blood. And I've been a percussionist my whole entire life. I'm a jazz drummer. Um, actor, I mean, when you're a professional wrestler, you're an actor. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I'm currently working in, a, in, a, in, a, in an indie film called All Children Go to Heaven. So I'm actually uh, portraying a police uh, officer. So it's a pretty good deal. We just started recording it. So, you know, hopefully that'll help me out. But I've always wanted to be an actor. I've always wanted to be in camera. I'm halfway there with pro wrestling. Um, I'm a dad, you know, so that's, a, that's also a, a job. Um, I'm currently going to barber school. I oh, was, nice. Yeah, it's always been a, a dream of mine. I do my own stuff, uh, but I've always, I've always wanted to uh, own my own barber school and, uh, and a barber shop, so I'm in the works with that. Um, I'm in a motorcycle club. I yeah. ride my Harley, my street glide. Uh, I do a little bit of everything, man. I, I'm a manager at a nightclub. At a strip club, to be exact. Really? Wow. <laughs> oh, well, I do a little bit of everything, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see that. That that was gonna be my next question about the, uh, you know, the motorcycles as well. I saw you're you're big into that. Um, you know, what was it about the motorcycles that kind of got you into, it and kind of like you know made you want to join a club? And you said you ride Harleys, right? Yeah, I have a street glide, two 2019 street glide. Nice, nice, nice. Well, well, what was it that drove you, uh, you know, into being a fan of that? That's a good question, too. Um, I was born and raised by my mom alone. I never had uh, the privilege of having my father around. Um, my mom did a pretty good job of raising me, but I was always missing that brotherhood or that man figure in my life. So every time I would meet guys in the gym or guys in the streets, I would try to talk to them and get whatever knowledge I could out of them. But I never had that brotherhood. I never had brothers. You know, I have stepbrothers from my dad's side. But like I said, I never had a father figure. So my mom was always like, please don't get tattoos. I got a thousand tattoos. Please don't ride motorcycles. I'm like, come on, mom. You're telling me everything. It just asked me for it. When the little times that I got to meet my dad, my dad is, I'm just like him. Even though he was not around, he gave me his You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, I met my stepbrother later on. And he loves motorcycles, too. Um, I've always wanted to be a badass guy, you know what I mean? And I went and I took the motorcycle uh, class and the moment I sat in a Harley, I'm like, this is it. This is, this is what I'm made for. 
I started riding my 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 motorcycle around, and then I met this uh, group called the uh, the Sportsters. They weren't a club; they were more of a you know just a community. So I started riding with them or whatever. But then one day we go out and meet, and I met this group because um, the funny story was I was dating this super hot chick at the time, and she used to ride motorcycles. We went to a big party, and this guy spots me from across the room, and he sends one of his prospects. You know, guys that are working towards being a part of the club, yeah, yeah. talk to me. So he goes, "Hey, man, when you have a chance, my 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 president wants to talk to you." I'm like, "Sure thing." So I go over there. Mind you, my my group that I was writing at the time, they were all scared because they were all patch patch members. Is what we call guys that wear the cuts, you know. And um, they're all scared. I'm walking around like I don't care, you know. I'm I'm convinced. I'm you know I got this. Yeah, yeah. So I go up to him and introduce myself. He's like, "Hey, man, you know." Uh, I have this motorcycle club. I'm the president. It's called Kingdom of Brothers. We got a clubhouse. You, you know, you seem like a pretty cool guy, man. Why don't you come with your girl and then come check it out? And I said, hell yeah, man. Let me, at the time, I was very respectful. And there was a president for my group. So I told him, hey, listen, you know, uh, let's get information. Let's all just go to the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never happened. Yeah. The guy from the other president, the other club, Kingdom of Brothers, is trying to reach out to me. But I gave him, my president's number, so there's no way, you know? So yeah. then one day I go to my president at the time, I go, listen, man, I need, I need this guy's number, man. I want to hang out with him. Finally, I got him. I got reached out to him and he's like, just come out. So I went to the clubhouse with them and I got to meet them and they, I saw the brotherhood. Everybody wearing the same colors, the way they treat their ladies, the way they treat the community. It was just something that, 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 that I needed in my life. I needed a family. So I started, I decided I started uh, prospecting for them. Uh, I became a probate, then a prospect. And then um, I did about six to 10 months with the club and then I got patched in. Uh, I became, it, it's just a brotherhood, man. They've been to all my wrestling shows. They support me in my career. And uh, oh man, it was a, probably the best decision I've ever made. Cause I mean, I got a tattoo to my arm. When my kid was born, they bought my baby a crib. When I'm in trouble, they're there financially, health-wise, everything. They're just there for me. And I couldn't do a lot of things if it wasn't for them. So I owe them, I owe them my life. Yeah, a, lot of mistaken, a lot of people mistaken it for a gang. And it's not yeah. a gang. It's a, it's a motorcycle club because we got patched in. There's, there's a way to get that patch, but it's a family. It's a family. Not only will we ride together, but we, you know, we do a lot of things together. We have the eagle, and we have a sword, and we have a shield. Um, kingdom of brothers is obviously the kingdom of brothers, but the shield is we protect our family. The sword is we fight for a family and the eagles for freedom. We ride free. If anybody rides a motorcycle, one year on your motorcycle, either you're in a fight with your girl or you want to get away from everything. You just get in the, you get in the motorcycle and you ride and it goes away. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, dope, dope, dope. That's pretty cool, man. Um, I like to ask you, uh, you know, kind of like, like, what are your thoughts on, I would say, the the wrestling scene today? Uh, obviously, it's changed a lot since you first, you know, decided to get into wrestling, yeah. and um, kind of like with the way things are today, with you know the indies being so successful, um, is do you still think of it as a goal for many wrestlers to say, hey, I want to get signed or I want to get a contract because is you can still be successful you know, on the indie scene today without having to, you know, get that big contract? I think wrestling's at its peak right now. I think yeah. the wrestling business is the best it's ever been. 
back in the days, it was very, very hard for e any of us to get a spot or a even, even a trial. Mm. Now everybody's getting a trial. There's so many companies to work for. You have WWE, you have AW, you have New Japan, you have Ring of Honor, you have MLW. You have so many places to go. There's so many guys wanting to be a part of wrestling. Now, I, what I tell people is, if you want to be a pro wrestler, go, go get trained and do it the right way. There's so many places to go. Right now, I'm one of the head trainers at Coastal Championship Wrestling. You know, uh, I go there Monday and Wednesdays. I help out. Uh, and there's so many kids that want to come up. There's so much talent. There's just, back in the days, it was, you know, the Hulk Hogan and all this era, you didn't see all this high-flying stuff. Now these kids can do so many great things that I can't even do, you know? And we need, we need that, that diversity in pro wrestling. We need that innovation. We need new kids. And I just think, man, it's bring it. Let all these kids train. Let it, bring it, bring it, man. There's so many opportunities. And when you least suspect it, you're on TV. Great example is Darby Allen. You know, you would probably look at Darby Allen and be like, who is this kid? Mm -hmm. you know, skinny, skateboarder. Man, look at him now. Tag partnering with Sting, he could never. Those are dreams that I I would dream to tag with Sting, you know. Yeah. So I tell everybody, man, if you got the dreams of being a pro wrestler, do it because you never know. Just do it. It's hard work. It's a lot of pain. Sometimes the politics sucks, but you know what? It's all worth it, man. You know. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. Um. Also, something that that's pretty big in the you know the wrestling business as well. There's always uh you know representatives of the latin culture you know going all the way back for a long period of time um what is the importance of that for you just being able to represent the latin culture and you know every time you go out to the ring well uh i think the latin culture is very important in pro wrestling lucha libre you know you go to mexico wrestling is portrayed as the biggest thing in mexico you know it's very important to mexican people um Latinos are coming out more and more, if you see, that we have a lot of Latinos everywhere we go. Yeah. Um, started with Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio. Um, now we have Andrade. We have so many good Latino talent um, coming, even coming out of Mexico, the Lucha Brothers. The, yeah. Some of the best wrestlers in the world come from Latinos. Mm -hmm. Eddie Guerrero, I mean, to me, Eddie Guerrero is one of the greatest of all times. And he was Mexican. Uh, LAX to their Puerto Rican, they're amazing, you know? Sammy Guevara, another Latino, uh, you know? Uh, Latinos rule the world, man, <laughs> you know? We, we need diversity, we need diversity, but there's not one Latino in this, in this pro wrestling industry that you can say that it's bad. We got that, we add that flavor, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, facts, facts, I totally agree with you. Uh, you uh, you talking about your tattoos. Um, how many tattoos do you have and what's like, uh, what would you say is like the most uh, significant one to you, if you can pick? Yes, actually, I could pick one. Um, I, wow, my God, I would probably say about, I have about maybe 30 to 40 and I'm still working on it. Oh, wow. I have cool tattoos. I got my mom's name. Like I said, I showed you, I got my motorcycle club tattoo. I got a Harley tattoo. But if I can name one that means the world to me, I just got it about two months ago and it's my son's name. Nice. I named, I named him Jackson, just like uh, the guy from Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, yep, yeah. yep. You know, that's where I got it from, and I just like the name. I like the ring of it, and, uh, yeah, that's my favorite tattoo right now. Um, in my motorcycle club, they call me Dropkick. 
That's my nickname, obviously wrestling. So it's pretty yeah. cool. But I have that, I have that tattoo in my knuckles. So that's another cool tattoo I got. Oh, that's pretty dope. Pretty dope. All right, uh, I'm gonna wrap up with my last two questions. This, this is the first one of them. Uh, the idea of the bulletproof vest. Where did that come from? How how'd you come up with that? I'm always coming up with good uh, with with different ideas. Uh, I think uh, first look and first impressions is everything in pro wrestling. The moment you walk through Gorilla, when you walk through those curtains, the way you look, people know if they're expecting something. You know what I mean? So I played with the Max Stardom character for a little bit. I used the cape. Maybe it didn't work. Uh, I would come out with a tie. I did whatever I could to change it up. And then um, a lot of these reggaeton guys, a lot of these Hispanic hip hop guys, I saw them using this bulletproof vest. And I was like, man, that looks cool, man. Yeah. You know? So I was like, you know, I, I can portray as, uh, I look like your typical reggaeton, you know, uh, uh, pro wrestler, why not? So I, I, I got online and I looked up a uh, bulletproof vest, but I didn't want a bulletproof vest. I wanted kind of something that's stylish. So mm -hmm. that vest um, right now, a lot of the guys use it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I put it on and then everybody complimented me on it. They're like, man, that is different. That is cool. So I got it on blue and red and camo and black. And I just started changing it up because I didn't want to copy the shields. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the it's not a bulletproof vest. It's more of a style where uh, I am this I am this artist. I am this successful mafia pit bull guy. I need to wear a bulletproof vest, but at the same time, this bulletproof vest is still a little bit of Ricky's, a little bit of style, because I like to dress good. I like to wear my Jordans. So that's why it gives it that flavor. And that's how, that's how it came about. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. Uh, last question right here. Uh, anyone today that's trying to get into the game and they want to be a wrestler, what are your words of advice to them on how they should start and to be successful as well? The easiest way to start off is see where you live and try to Google any pro wrestling company or any pro wrestling school that's close to you. But with that, I want you to really research who is the, uh, the trainer, who is the owner and ask questions, yeah. you know, get out there. Cause there's a lot of weird people in this world. There's a lot of people that are in it for themselves and, and want the school to be a business. Yes. I get it. Money talks. And people want to make money, but you also, if you want to be a pro wrestler, you got to make sure that they're going to help you get your career started. Once you get your career started, once you learn how to be a pro wrestler, you will feel. I just reach out to promoters. You get out there. Don't stick in the same city. Don't stick in the same state. The only way to make it in pro wrestling is by getting out there, getting out of your state, traveling. If you got to get a little bit of money out of your pocket, and, and like like I tell everybody that comes into the business. You're not going to become rich by being a pro wrestler until you make it. Mm -hmm. If you're in pro wrestling for money, you're in the wrong business. You can make money in the business, but not in the beginning. So the way I became successful, and this is a great advice, is have a real job. Don't, don't stick to just pro wrestling and then just starve out of pro wrestling because you will starve. And if you are homeless, you cannot afford a good pro wrestling gear. You cannot afford a car. You cannot afford to do anything. You can't be a pro wrestler. So get a good job, save money, buy good gear, you can get out there and travel. And you're going to have to spend a little bit of money, but it's going to be worth it. But don't be scared to be a pro wrestler. Don't be scared. It's hard work. It's a lot of pain. But man, there's nothing better than to look forward to a pro wrestling show where you can be 
you know, me, yeah, now I'm using Ricky Martinez, but the character that I portray in the wrestling uh, business is not the same guy that goes home with his kid. You get to be somebody that you're not. You're not paying bills for that, for that 10 minutes. You're not worried about, you're not stressed out. You get to be somebody else. And there's no better feeling than that. Just the same way as you get on a motorcycle, it's the same thing. You're free for 10 to 15 minutes. You can talk shit all you want. You can you can do whatever you want when you're in that ring. Because as soon as you change, you're going right back to that nine to five. You're going right back to the bills. It, it gets you away from reality, man. That's what the good thing about pro wrestling is about. Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, Ricky, man, just once again, I just want to thank you for, you know, coming on the show, uh, working out, taking the time on such a big day that you got such a big match as well. And uh, just let you know that I really appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate you for having me. Anytime you want me back, I'm glad to. And uh, keep doing guys like you that keep doing these interviews, guys, they, they get to know the pro wrestling inside and out. And it's not only about in the ring, man. Things like this continue to to to, to boost up professional wrestling, you know? This is awesome, great, man. man. These guys like you that help us out too, man. I appreciate you. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for those kind words, man. Um, if fans, if they want to follow you or check you out on social media, uh, how would they connect with you? Uh, on Facebook, you can just search Ricky Martinez or Max Stardom. Same thing with Twitter. On Instagram, it's the Pit Sick, uh, Pitbull and Sicario, but short. So the Pit Sick underscore Rick, R-I-C-K. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Guys, make sure you check them out. Uh, make sure you follow, uh, see all the great things that are coming Ricky's way. Um, also, make sure that you subscribe. Check out Wrestling IQ 101. Once again, all podcasts, all streaming platforms. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Wrestling IQ 101. Once again, thank you, Ricky. And for this episode, it's Derek, it's Ricky Martinez, and we are out.